0: First, we're we'll talking about a title race. Then we set top fours in the bag. Then we got absolutely humbled by Liverpool. Liverpool then lost to Bournemouth. So that means Bournemouth will beat Manchester United 8-0. But before we get there, in May, United did succumb to a nil-all draw against Southampton at home. Welcome to the United Pubcast. I'm Larry, joined by Tom. And unfortunately, Tom, not the result we wanted to see on a Monday morning.
1: Yeah, definitely a tricky one to deal with. Very frustrating. And I think maybe someone in the chat or you can answer this as well. I can't tell you the last time Man United beat the team, whenever that we play the team who's 20th on the table, I can't tell you the last time we beat that team. It seems whoever we play when they're bottom, it's a team we always seem to struggle with. That's definitely the feeling. And obviously Southampton gave us a good test. We can get into the ins and outs on why it was maybe a frustrating afternoon in regards to the referee and playing a big chunk with 10 men. But ultimately... Um, at the end of the day, the cards that were dealt in that second half, um, I think the draw was a fair result, because on another day, I think we push pushing for the win at the end, which was good to, see, good to see. But if injury time went for another four or five minutes, there's a situation south end to come away with three points. So I'm sure we'll be having a debate whether this is two points dropped or one point gained. I think it's a little bit of both.
0: It is a little bit of both before my microphone gets red carded, but... We, we will get into all of it. Casemiro, the performance, the starting 11. Should certain players be sold? There's a poll up on our Twitter account right now. We'll bring that question to you. Lots to rip through. It's going to be a jam-packed 20 to 30 minutes. So sit tight, get involved, and let's rip in. But, Tom, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's bring it to the starting 11. There were a few surprises in there. Maybe not in terms of personnel, but definitely the positions that certain players lined up in. Let's start with... Bruno Fernandes deployed in a deeper role, Jaden Sancho as number 10, and that's certainly the way it started. Uh, In terms of the first 33 minutes of football that we saw, what did you make of Bruno's performance uh, in that deeper role, and what did you think of the selection by Eric Tenhart?
1: Yeah, well I've made no sort of second last couple of weeks in terms of ideally now we can talk about his performance in terms of okay what we sort of expect of him, but ultimately I do I don't mind him in that position. Very brave from Eric Ten Hag to go with that middle three. Now obviously as I said, we're at home to the team twentieth in the league, so that's where you can be a little bit ambitious with team selection. But I do think it was brave and, and you want the manager to be brave and sort of go attack in there, obviously leave Casmiro by himself for the last two or three, four years, however long it's been, it seems that at home to those teams. We've sat with two sitting, midf- <coughs> Sorry. two sitting midfielders and think, oh, it's not quite enough at home at all travel against teams like this. You do need to take the game to them. Eriton Haga has taken the game with Southampton. Now it has changed off the back of the refereeing decision, which we'll get into. But ultimately, I, I don't mind Bruno there on the ball. I think it changes his game a little bit, for better or for worse. That's up for debate. But um, ultimately, um, I was relatively pleased with the start in 11 Obviously, um, through no... Well, only fault to one person, really. But um, through no fault of anyone, that it obviously did change half an hour in and um, suddenly we're having a different discussion about the start in eleven. But ultimately, I think if Casemiro stayed on the pitch, I think ultimately um, we do get over the line with that start in eleven and say Eriten Ha did his job well.
0: It's really difficult to assess Bruno's performance and even Sancho's performance to an extent, isn't it? I mean, once you're down a player, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're prime Real Madrid that won four out of five Champions League titles. I don't care if you're Barcelona with Xavi, Messi, and Iniesta. When it's 10 versus 11 in a field as big as a football pitch, it's always going to impact you. I don't care who you are. Uh, but, Tom, let's talk about that red card. Uh, it's it's time we're there. Uh, Casemiro, he goes in. His studs are up. It's on the shin. He gets the ball first, but his shins, his, his, his boots are up. His studs are up. He collects a player on the shin. I've seen similar tackles this season where it hasn't been a red card. What do you make of the tackle? But not only what do you make of the tackle, what do you make of the consistency and the interpretation of that tackle that we've seen so far this season?
1: Two different debates. As a Manchester United fan, I will sit here and blast the referee, say, this: I saw this tackle on Saturday. This wasn't given as a red card, so this shouldn't be in as, as a red card. And that's me as a fan. I'm watching that say, bullshit, that's not a red card because of what I've seen previously. And if we're going to remain consistent, Casemiro shouldn't have been sent off. At the end of the day, though, it's a red card. It's a clear red card. Ultimately, you can say it's a little bit harsh and unlucky, but ultimately, you mentioned he got the ball first. Nothing to do with the rule. If, I get the, if you've got the ball and I go and tackle you, but then also elbow you in the face, just because I've got the ball first doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, he's made reckless contact with the shin, and that's only on Casemiro. He can have no complaints. If that happened to Marcus Rashid, would be screaming for a red card, and rightly so. Now, I don't think Casemiro, look, he's an experienced player. He knows what he's doing. He wants to leave one on, his, on the opponent, and that's the way he plays again. That's what we love him for. Ultimately, he's put himself in a position where he knows when he goes over the ball, because that's the only way his studs are going to go when you do sort of go in that way, the only thing to do is you're going to clean up the player after. And um, he knows what he's doing there and he can have no complaints. Now, I think it's unlucky, but um, he put himself in a tricky position. And as I said, if that's another team, we're screaming for a red card. But then i strip it back to me being a Manchester United fan and talk about decisions previously. And if we want to remain consistent, um, it, it shows no consistency. But then the debate is, well, do you stay consistent with wrong decisions and say, okay, that's not a red card because the other ones weren't. So you have a bunch of wrong decisions or do you say, okay, they're wrong decisions of the past. Let's start getting the decisions right now. So Kazimera, unlucky. This is a red card. Um, it's an interesting one.
0: To answer your question, something can only be wrong if there is inconsistency. I view it as if a referee or the referees association has decided that the way they're going to officiate or adjudicate that type of tackle is if he goes and collects the player first, foul play. And if that's the way that it, the rule will be interpreted, no problem by me. I think the frustration with fans in anything, when it comes to handballs, when it comes to misconduct on the field, uh, whatever it is, you just want to see consistency. And to your point, as a fan, you watch Sun Saturday, Sunday, you watch other teams play, and you see this type of tackle has been executed time and time again this season, the player does not get a red card. And Eric Ten Hag, look, I understand where he's coming from as a manager. He's got Manchester United goggles on. He's saying this guy's played 500 games. He's now got two red cards in England. He's trying to put pressure on the referees. I I get what Ten Hag is saying. I agree with you, Tom. I think it's a red card. What I will say, though, is if if he gets the ball first, I don't know how you can call it. What's the interpretation? Is it misconduct? Is that the actual the, the actual term that they give? Or foul no, play? Uh,
1: re- reckless, probably.
0: The, the frustration I have is if you collect the ball first, there is there has to be a break in momentum in terms of the impact you have on the player.
1: Clear, clear difference. Bruno Fernandes against Raul is going in on in the goalkeeper. Knows he's going to collect the goalkeeper. Simply turns his foot sideways. The moment Casimiro goes in studs first, the only option, if whatever, where he gets the ball or misses the ball the out of control nature and it's reckless because if something goes wrong with that tackle and misses the ball, the only situation that happens is him collecting the guy's shin. That is why it's reckless because he's gone in for a decision. If something happens, he's in a position now where he can injure the player. That is why it's reckless. That's why it's a red card. Bruno Fernandes went in very similar on the betis goalkeeper just turned his foot sideways. So when he did clean him up, it wasn't showing the studs, which is obviously far less effective and sort of less visual. So, um, Kazimira put himself in that position and he should do better. And that's Look, well, Kazimira has been absolutely brilliant. It's not to blame him. Maybe we can have a different discussion in terms of his... Now, he shouldn't have been sent off against Crystal Palace, but ultimately now he's got to miss seven Premier League games through suspension. That's not great. And Now, again, I, I don't sort of really critique him too much for that because I think he's been absolutely brilliant and I think one of the red cards was extremely harsh. But ultimately, that is a discussion we'll be having. If we're discussing Anthony Marshall's fitness record, or luke shaw's fitness record or someone's form well if someone's missing seven games through suspension he shouldn't have grabbed him by the collar even though it's not a red card it's technically where well, you put yourself in a position he's putting himself in a position today and he's missed a big chunk of this season so and again he, he's been absolutely brilliant no criticism at all of kazemira but ultimately if we're treating all the players equally we'll be having a far different discussion if this was someone else if that's right or wrong i'm not sure but um as a man i found mean, hugely frustrating i i'll scream at the tv that it shouldn't have been a red card ultimately it is.
0: Yeah, I've got a question on Casemiro. I just want to bring it to the comment. If you are watching the video and you're enjoying the debate, get involved, get around the table, get your comments in. We will read them out. Uh, and if you are here, make sure you do hit a like on the video. It does help us a lot. Uh, SJ Butt, I thought VAR aren't meant to re-referee. He gave a yellow. Uh, so when it's considered foul play or reckless uh, recklessness, um, then that is when VAR can intervene, SJ Bot. So... If you don't know that one, now you do. Uh, Gil Van Nelson, Souza. sorry, mate, um, rubbed game. Tom, we'll we'll get into the penalty controversy in a moment, uh, so stay tuned. Absolutely, we'll get to that. And Stephen, nice to see you, mate. Six Premier League games, one of those is an FA Cup match. But the, the thing is, it's such a crucial point of the season, and while top four looks comfortable... United only need a drop two or three games and it's suddenly looking very hairy again. And let me ask you this, Tom, for as good as Casemiro has been this season, if you are Eric Ten Hag, do you have a bit of a concern with his discipline? Uh, do you no, try and turn that in is. a little bit? Do you have a conversation with him or do you just put this down to purely being unlucky?
1: No, it's the way he plays. Who's my favourite of a player?
0: Roy Keane. How
1: many, that's part of his game. If you want the good football and the, the things he brings, the price you're going to pay is a few red cards a season. What Roy can end up on 11 red cards or eight red cards, if you get what it was. That's going to happen. Now, Casemiro's picked up two in a couple of weeks, unfortunately. But you don't want to take away from someone. If that's their game, that's their game. Um, if you want the really good performances, you're going to have to go a few games with him sitting in the stands. That is the price you pay. Um We've had that debate with many players, maybe around the captain's armband or a change of position around C- Casemiro's discipline. As Eric Ten Hag rightly points out, he's played 500 games and it's never happened. Okay, short sample size, a little bit unlucky. One, when re- one, one extremely bad referee decision against Crystal Palace, that, that red card, and one What's bit of an even unfortunate a print, Was it? I mean, like, yeah. so that's where, okay, we'll take that one out so the referee does their job and he doesn't get sent off. And now we're saying, okay, just one. A bit of a dubious tackle, get sent off with only one red card. We're not having a discussion about his discipline. So, look, Eric Ten Hag obviously will have to have a word with him because the eyes are on him now. Every referee will be looking at Casemiro's tackle. So, part of Eric Ten management will be to look and sort of just advise him. So, look, eyes are on you. let just be be careful. You got to show your experience now. But you wouldn't be changing the way Casemiro plays.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, Cassie. All you got to do, mate, side foot. No more studs up, please. Please, if you're going to put your feet up, Casemiro, do it at home on the lounge after putting in a belting performance, which you do eight out of ten times, mate. Um, Tom, let's talk about the referees, your favourite topic. Uh, Look, I know it's a a bare bone, but we have to dig it out. Firstly, I'm going to start with the Marcus Rashford one. He's He's approaching the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper clips his foot. It's clear as day. The goalkeeper clips his foot. As far as I'm concerned accidental. Yes, I think it's an accident. Clearly not intentional to me. It's still a penalty. He brought down a player in the box when that player had an opportunity to bang that ball in the back of an empty net.
1: I'm mixed on this one. And look, here I am. I should be agreeing with everyone saying we're absolutely robbed. And I thought the referee was woeful. And I don't think it was so much... He was bad into the AR and referee in these big decisions. It wasn't so much the big decisions was his general performance and the referee and the way he's sort of carrying himself. That was my main gripe with him. But in regards to these big decisions, and the Marcus Rashford one, I was actually split on this because there is the debate yes, there's contact. Now, just because there's contact, does that mean it's a penalty? Even though you make contact with someone, does that mean they fall over? That, that, that's another debate. The reason I side with this in terms of Marcus Rashford and believe it, it's a penalty, I always look at a player's genuine reaction. Marcus Rashford knew that Marcus Rashford clipped himself well with his feet, and he knows that would have been visible. But his reaction when he got up, you could tell he was genuine in regard. I've been in this position before, going up to the referee, and he was almost saying, I know I tripped myself, but I- I'm genuine. It was because I got clipped. That moved my foot into my other foot. And he was genuine in that saying, I know it looked like a dive, but trust me, trust me, I got clipped there. And it was a genuine reaction by Marcus Rashford. It wasn't sometimes like you see Bruno Fernandes sort of trying to win something. he will just oh, do this with no words sort of this but marcus mm-hmm. Rashford, you could tell it was a genuine one he said no i'm telling you i've got clipped trust me go and have a look at this i got clipped so ultimately there if marcus Rashford has gone down because of that it is a clear penalty obviously that's not going to be a given to manchester united at the moment in terms of the favorable or unfavorable decisions going our way so but ultimately i also come back to it and think like yes there's contact does contact made a penalty probably not now it's, it's a tricky I one not
0: let me challenge you on that in a moment. So let's assume you're you're a rapid winger. Okay, I'm chasing you down as the fullback. If I'm chasing you down, and because you're, you're running motion, your heel clips up, I'm getting closer to you. My knee hits your heel. You then fall down. What's the referee
1: doing? Yeah, it's it, it, it's such a grey area, and that's where sort of interpretation comes in if Casemiro is chasing someone down in a striker into the box and they go shoulder to shoulder and Casemiro knocks him over. It's contact. Is it a foul? No, it's not a foul. It's one of those ones that always do need to apply context to it. There are some tricky ones. Ultimately, as a Man United fan, I look at that and sort of Marcus Rashford's sort of reaction, I think it's a penalty. But then ultimately, that's at the other end. We're saying, is that enough to go down? Probably not. They tell me, in my opinion, that that's a 50-50. That's not going to go your way when it's not your day. The other one, the handball, I'll throw it to you. That's not 50-50. That ball has traveled. I don't know. how. I forget where the cross came in for it. It Was a Luke Shaw? I forget. That's traveled 20 or 30 meters. Now, I know the guy has fallen over and slipped, and you can say he's a natural or unnatural now. I don't care if it's unnatural or natural. If the ball has traveled 20 meters and it has hit your hand, you have had 20 meters worth of time. Even if the last second you have slipped, and now you only have a second to react. It's still, it's not point-blank range. It has come from 20 metres away and it is clear as day a penalty. not not only, It should have been given on the spot. The referee didn't need VAR for it. He had a perfect view and it was a clear handball. But then ultimately for VAR to check that and in slow motion and still refuse to give it, um, that's tough. That, 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 those are the decisions that are going to cost you, not Kazimera's red card. Those decisions, those clear as day um, penalties, that, that's what sort of impacts um, club seasons.
0: Tom, it was... And it, it was an unprofessional decision. I, I can't find a better word than saying it was unprofessional. At the end of the day, and you and I have both, anyone who's played a football game, to be on your knees, that player knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. His shoulders, no one, when, when you walk in the street, all right, do you walk like this? I have have
1: no no issue with the natural or unnatural or body silhouette. I have no issue with that. It's simply that could be an unnatural or natural. If the ball has travelled from 20 metres and hit your arm, you had time to get out of the way. Now, you could argue, Southampton could argue while he slipped, so suddenly that's not 20 metres, that's half a metre. Ultimately, though, that's unlucky. That's his fault for not slipping. Stay on your feet. And ultimately, it's it's clear now. Ultimately, we're not given the decisions at the moment. Does Eric Ten Hag need to come out and put a bit of pressure on the referees? I'm not sure, but um, it's not yeah, falling it our way.
0: owes Manchester United an apology because since he complained, I want to say in 2021, it was during lockdown, wasn't it? Like when that was, was after all the
1: Bro- Bruno penalties.
0: He put which 99 which
1: percent it- only one of those Bruno penalties wasn't a penalty. No, nine times out of ten they were penalties. So, um, yeah, I agree with you on that.
0: Now, 9 out of 10, they're penalties, and we're just not getting them. Hmm. Uh, so, Jürgen Klopp, masterstroke, mate. Despite all of your efforts, you're still well behind us. Congratulations on the beating Manchester United trophy, by the way. Great victory against Bournemouth over the weekend. It was really enjoyable to see. Um, well, look, this is the way... At least,
1: least mohammed Sala. Salah wasn't taking our penalty if we got it.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, guaranteed miss. Tom, let's talk about uh, Manchester United's actual performance. Um, I want to talk about individual players. Now, again, I'll caveat this with, for two-thirds of the match, United are playing with 10 men. In saying that, I thought United still pushed forward, still tried to get a goal, and had opportunities to get the goal. Um, Case in point, we're talking about two potential penalty shots. They were in the opposition box. Southampton had their chances. David De Gea absolutely saved United's bacon a couple of times. What did you make of key, performances, key performers um, in, in this game? Because I have to be honest, while United were down, I think the opportunity was still there to win. And I thought so many players from Manchester United just missed the mark
1: yeah yeah in regards to, to what we know these players can perform like you can say yeah individually maybe not quite at it now yes as you as you allude to the sort of circumstances as to why maybe individuals weren't at it my, my main thing which we'll discuss maybe a little bit later looking ahead to rail Betis during the week the players are running empty they've got nothing like bruno fernandez at the end of the game I, the guy can't breathe, and that's not to be critical of him. He's just playing every minute of every game, and he's just got nothing left. He shouldn't be anywhere near the flight to Spain. He needs to put his feet up and rest. But ultimately, that that's obviously sort of impacts the performance of individuals as well. I thought Lissandro Martinez had a very good game um, in regards to any central defender. When you're down to ten men, you're going to have a busy night, and I thought him and Varane did quite well. But Lissandro uh, Martinez, especially, I thought um, Scott McTominay came on and, and did a sort of very important job. Um, for what Eric Ten Hag would have wanted. Obviously, there was a straight swap. A lot of people would have assumed Fred ultimately in that position, which goes into the McTominay and Fred debate. While Fred has been playing well and being picked above the Scotsman this year, the manager will only trust one, and he will only trust Scott McTominay in a, in a must-sort of-do situation. When you have Kazmira there or someone else, yeah, throw Freddie maybe in football. But if you have to trust one to do a proper job, obviously any football manager is going to side with Scott McTominay. He had to be the sub. I'm surprised that he didn't make the sub straight away. Um, he waited five or ten, or five minutes or so before taking Ben cost off. Ben a tr- tricky game for him up top. I think he is what Ben cost is. He uh, okay, works hard, and sort of we 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 like that. We appreciate that. Is that going to grab your goals on a consistent level to where we need to be? Probably not. But ultimately, here we are. Anthony Marshall's fit, and he's back, and he's not quite back. So we have to sort of rely on it um, about Ben Cross. So. And my heart
0: there, man. I was, I was back. Bang- I had all our social media. I was. All in on Martial. Didn't even make the bench.
1: Are you surprised? He
0: was going be here. He said he was going to play. Just didn't.
1: Are you surprised though? Like, do you expect him to be in Spain on the week during the week?
0: Yeah, I do. I think uh, I think this. Was I, just I a won't case be shocked of, if he's not. I won't be I shocked he'll if he's not. Okay, I've always one more game. I, I think he will because it, when when you consider that uh, these players need a rest, you can give Martial a good chunk of minutes here. To get
1: some measure rhythm. Oh, yeah, no, look, maybe it's my emotion. Look, sort of point, sort of maybe lashing out at his injury record, sort of thing. Fingers crossed he is back, but it made our sort of feelings very clear in regards to his injury record. But um, you, you're right. You, you look at Jaden Sancho's performance, he's coming for a lot of crit- criticism off the back of the performance. Now, ultimately, a lot of people don't like this. He's been good since his return. Now, from what we want in terms of the way we view Jaden Sancho when we signed him, we signed him a 70 million pound player. Or whatever it was, and obviously these tricky win, you can go past players, can create can score goals. That is obviously what we want in the, in the visual aspect of sort of following football. Ultimately, for what Eric ten Hag wants, like Anthony, it's maybe the other things when maybe the sort of aren't shown on match of the day. I know match of the day is obviously in the highlights at the moment. But um, Jadon Sancho is obviously performing quite well for the job that Eric ten Hag needs. Is that enough for us fans? Probably not. And it obviously sort of highlights maybe issues around his future at United. I think he's fine. And again, he's hard to judge on this isolated performance in regards to 10 men, but he's obviously one player who's playing at number 10, then he's playing um, on the right, then he's playing number nine in a false nine position with 10 men. So I think it's hard to judge him on this performance, but ultimately I think he's maybe a little bit of a victim in regards to a lot of people disagreed with me at the time, but I always thought he was best off the left. I know he wanted him on the right because I gave a nice balance. I always thought he was better off the left. He's obviously going to play Marcus Rashford and rightly so. So I think maybe in terms of when a player is out of the form, play them in their best position. Ultimately, you can't do that at the moment because our best player is Marcus Rashford, so you can't be dropping him. So um, here, yeah, Jaden Sancho, not struggled, but yeah, didn't take his chance, uh, as you would like a, a player to do at, at home at Old Trafford against the team coming bottom of the table. But other than that, I just went through all these individuals and ultimately, um, it's hard to judge. When a team is down to 10 men, um, it is just one of those where I think you do need to sort of, pass judgment for the 90 minutes and just sort of move on.
0: So we, we did put a bit of a poll up this afternoon and uh, that poll was asking if you're given 50 to 60 million pounds in the summer for Jaden Sancho, do you keep or sell him? And, and this wasn't to be critical of Sancho. I thought it was just a good opportunity to gauge what the feeling in the fan base is at the moment. Cause like you say, Tom, I think there's, there's two things that fans look for in a player. There's, are they playing well? Obvious one in terms of statistics. But the second one is the eye test. And, and Michael Carrick was a player who failed the eye test for a majority of his Manchester United career. But to anyone who was a football purist looked at him and said, no, nah, actually, I see 100% what he adds to this team. Jadon Sancho, I'm going to ask you this question. 50 or 60 million? Let's assume 60 million. Who, who's a club? Chelsea. They love wasting money. Chelsea come in sixty million pound. We want Jadon Sancho from you in the summer. What would you do?
1: No, no. Well, well first I don't. Now I know Chelsea is just an example, and who knows. First of all, I don't think a club in the current climate is coming in for Jadon Sancho for that money. I don't think United will sell. His wages, I think, is on over three hundred thousand a week. So no, no club is coming in for that money with Jadon Sancho. So he's got to be a Manchester United player next season. I agree with that. I, I think there is a future with Jadon Sancho. Um, I Ultimately, we can have a discussion about is he going to reach the heights we expect or we want, potentially. Um, that's a valid discussion. Ultimately, though, I think he's, like Anthony, in terms of we watch watching, we think, oh, frustrating, he's not quite doing the job. Wolf well, for Eric Ten Hag, he's doing the job in terms of, okay, he's not going past plays, but he's keeping the ball. He obviously keeps the ball quite well. In the moments that we want him to do more, he maybe loses the ball in terms of maybe a dribble or something. But overall, actually, performs quite well for the team and provides balance. Um, but... It's weird. I see a lot of people saying sell. Um, Ultimately, our squad—we're not in a position to be selling players. Who are we going to bring in that's going to be better? Like, yeah, yeah, you can say Kylian Mbappe. Is is that really going to hit the ground running, or is that going to sort of provide sort of issues down the line? I do think so. Even uh, I'll celebrate the Kylian Mbappe arrival. I think at the moment, you look at our squad—we're really thin. Are we in the are we in the position to be selling players? My opinion, no. I want to see who we bring in. If we bring in two or three sort of left and right wingers. And suddenly Marcus Rashford's backup, Anthony's backup when we have two guys firing. Okay, Jadon Sancho's fifth or sixth in the pecking order. Yeah, sell him. If you can get a buyer, of course. Ultimately, though, we're in a <laughs> our players are running on empty empty. They've got nothing left. We're not selling attackers because my god, we lack quality in the front three. Um, it can't be sort of just simple maths. You can't be getting rid of players, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I, I, from from my perspective. I'm not really hard on on any side of the fence. I think it's a case of he's still a young player, which I think a lot of us forget. He's 23, I think. He's turning 24 this year. I think next season will be make or break. Um, Because he's a young player, I I think while it's difficult and this is something like I'm learning as a fan, take the price tag out of it. I think that's just what we need to learn to do now because if you look at the price of players – They'll never fulfill their price tag. Nine mm. times out of ten, particularly Manchester United, who get absolutely rinsed every single time. If you go into negotiation and a club knows you have money, forget it. Like you just you gotta pay, it, otherwise you don't get the player. So if I just look at his performances, has he performed anything to what you would consider successful? No, I don't think he has. In saying that, the abilities there, you can see it. Like, you can just he, – he does – I don't think do so much –
1: the, which, are obviously, the ability. It, it's the it's the little things, and it's very boring for people, but keep in possession. We think, oh, we don't cut back, don't keep possession, go forward, beat a man. Obviously, that's what we want as fans. As the manager, though, that's obviously why our team hug does rate him and sort of wanting him back in the team hasn't sort of frozen him out. Did want him to get him back in there because, obviously, he's very sort of balanced and, and keeps the ball for the team. Now, yes, we want a little bit more than that, obviously, and for the price tag, which is hard to sort of, sort of escape – you do demand a little bit more, but ultimately, yeah, that Michael, I'm definitely not comparing into the Michael Carrick situation. That eye test compared to what the manager sees, they're two very different things. So, um, look, there's no doubt he needs to take his chance a little bit more when he comes on, and next season will be big. There's no chance that he gets sold in the summer, and I think that would be the wrong decision in terms of we're going to have a huge season next year in regards to fingers crossed Champions League football. Obviously, in all the competitions as well, we're not in a position to be selling our attackers, but... um. Who knows? New owners come in that they are going to sort of bite the bullet with one or two people, you would think. Um, fingers crossed Eric Ten Hag has the control. And if it was Eric Ten Hag's decision of selling, well, by all means, put him on the transfer list tomorrow. Do I think that'll be the case? Um, I don't think that would be.
0: If United get bought by the Qataris and there's 300 million pound kitty bank and Ten Hag wants someone else, then, you know, if that's what Ten Hag wants, because I'm at this point with Ten Hag. I just trust him so much as a manager. If Hogg doesn't think Sancho's is going to cut it, I support it. But There's
1: a comment if, there from Andrew in the live chat saying he doesn't get selected for England. Um, that's a red flag, right there. I would look at some of the players. Who, well, I would look at some of the players who are selected for England, and that's more of a red flag. So I, I think in terms of Gary Southgate's opinion on players. Um, J- Jaden Sancho, it should be in that. Well, look, first of all, England are sort of well-blessed in that area of the pitch. Now, it's no criticism not to be playing over Marcus Rashford or Phil Foden or Jack Grealish. They're all very good players, obviously. But um, you do look at what Gareth Southgate and his eye for a player um, throughout other areas of that squad. You look, Harry Maguire, <laughs> start, he's the England's main centre-back in terms of when he was in horrible form. So ultimately, I wouldn't use that as a criticism of Jaden Sancho, in my opinion.
0: Here's an interesting question for you, Sancho and Grealish, because we they were bought to their respective Manchester clubs in the same transfer window. At the time, if you were given the option of Jack Grealish or Jadon Sancho, who would you have gotten?
1: Tough one. I always liked Jack Grealish, but I, I, I always saw Jack Grealish as a central midfielder. Like yeah. in terms of not a central midfielder, but just that almost not number ten, 10. but just uh, just have license to go in a in you know, a three man midfield. Now um, ultimately he's brought in Manchester, and that's where I thought he would play. He's obviously developed uh, in a little bit of a wide player. Well, Jadon Central has the quality to make, maybe be a little bit more special than Jack Grealish, but as a player overall, I always thought Jack Grealish was absolutely brilliant. And obviously he was Manchester. Has that enough.
0: tenacity about him, doesn't he? And I think that's what you. I think no, that's yeah. what you fall in love he's with just, as a fan. Yeah, no, he's got yeah, a bit of light. A,
1: He's a top player. He's, he's absolutely brilliant, unfortunately, that he's playing for Manchester City. Obviously, there's no doubt Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did want him. We settled for Donny van der Beek because he's obviously going to be 60 or £70 million cheaper. It ended up, so that was a clear decision for the board. Ultimately, if we did get Jack Grealish, it was um, pretty clear. Aston Villa wanted that £100 million, which you could argue maybe is too much, so maybe it was the right decision. I'm not sure. Um, Donny van der Beek um, definitely wasn't the right decision. Easy in hindsight, obviously. But... Um, Look, that's not to be critical of Jadon Sancho that I would prefer Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is, is a brilliant footballer. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, we're not going to get all the um, transfers right.
0: Yeah. Andrew, making the point here, you need players with a strong mindset to play for United, win, lose, you take it as it comes, play for the badge. I take your point, mate, but I don't, I don't think that's really fair to... I don't think it's really fair to say Sancho doesn't have the mindset for it. I, I think it's just uh, we've seen him put patches together. It'll just be about consistency. I think what will be interesting, Tom, under Eric Ten Hag, next season if we, let's say we get a backup for Casemiro and that number eight that we actually need. like I don't think it'll be Frankie de Jong following his comments last week, but a player of that mold who can keep possession, add a bit of defensive tenacity. If United keep 10% more of the ball per match, I think the likes of Sancho will look brilliant. I really do. Um, But let's bring it to 3-2-1s. Uh, I think there are still points to hand out. And if you are new, we will explain the 3 2 ones concept. Tom and I hand out three points to the best player or the most impactful player, two points and one point. And then at the end of the season, we will announce the three-two-one 2 pubcast player of the season. Uh, Tom, where are we sitting in terms of ranking so far? Who's leading the way?
1: I will tell you. I'll bring my phone up now. I can't bring it up on screen, but I'll have a look. Rashford is leading on... He's actually got a bit of a lead. Rashford is leading on 37 points. Then we have Lissandro oh, like Martinez
0: Martin on <laughs> 30.
1: And then a bit of a gap to Casmiro on 23. So Rashford and Martinez are quite clear at the top. Then you have Casmiro, Bruno, and Eriksen's still there. Um, Eriksen's on 20. He's in fifth place at the moment. So he had one hell of a start to the season.
0: All right. I think what we'll do is following this round or following this match, we're not going to show you the leaderboard anymore. It's up to the players. We'll yeah, tell that, you, that, yeah. That,
1: that banner at the bottom is there. That, that's incorrect now.
0: Okay. Well, I'm still going to leave it there just for entertainment purposes. So, But it's, it's a few points off, but the player order is still the same. So you get the idea. Um, Andrew making the point, we had fast wingers. wingers Sancho doesn't cut it. Mate, I have seen brilliant wingers who aren't quick. You don't have to be quick to be a good winger in world football. I'll tell you that for free. Tell you that for free. Uh Adam making the point here. Martinez three, McTominay two, Shaw one, over run. Yep, it's fair shout. Uh what do you think, Tom, in terms of three two ones? So let me give you the floor. Who, who do you get who gets the three points for you?
1: Uh, I thought Lissandro Martinez. Uh, I thought and uh, dealt with everything well. Obviously, you're gonna be a very busy man in terms of the way, especially the way that Southampton played, but especially with ten men. So I thought Lissandro Martinez, I wouldn't say his best game in a United shirt, but in regards to sort of a faultless performance, um, you'd have to say it was pretty faultless for a centre-back. Oh, I thought he was yeah, hard to split in terms of, okay, a partnership, who, who was more important? Some people might say run. Some say Martinez for me, individually. Um, there were one or two counter-attacks. There was one, I think it was, not Raheem Sterling. Why do I keep thinking Sterling's playing for Southampton? Who's the other one? Not Sterling. Who's the other? Walcott. Walcott. That's the same thing. Walcott was running through a free on goal, and Lissandro Martinez um, pretty much caught him up. And I just think, okay, Walcott was dribbling with the ball, and Walcott sort of... Yeah, it was a little bit going on a little bit of an angle, but Lissandra and Martinez catch him up and put him off. If he didn't win the ball, but sort of did enough to sort of sort of put him off that shot, um, I thought that was a great bit of defending. I think there was another bit as well in terms of there was one or two counterattacks. attacks. Was a flashback to that game in Turkey a couple of years ago where we just threw everyone in the box and left players up on halfway, and they cleared the ball a few times. And Lissandra and Martinez, I think one might have been Luke Shaw as well. Um, did well to get back. So for me, three points is pretty clear in my opinion today.
0: I'm with you, mate. Three points for Martinez, clear as day. Two points and one point, I think, is interesting. Um,
1: the day for me, big. I saves. was gonna
0: stole the words out of my mouth. Hit, hit big saves, big Dave, big saves, and you know what? For the scrutiny he's come under, and what I will say is rightly so, rightly scrutinized. I thought big performance. Yeah, he's got he's got flaws in his game, but what he does well. He does very well, and that's keep balls out of the back of the net, and he definitely did that today. Uh, so David De Gea for two points for me. Um, SJ Barr, yeah. two points for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Very interesting, mate. One point for Varane. Well, the, the
1: right-back situation, again, I make this point every week. I, I called for one bissaka to start this game because Deleuwe wasn't at it, but that, then after this one bissaka performance, and it was good, I thought I just should average six out of ten. Nothing wrong with his performance or bad. I just thought I need something more, so Diogo Delo, But ultimately, when Diogo Delo comes in, I say, uh oh, yeah, not quite. I need one Saka back in. It's a very interesting situation playing out at right back because I think both are sort of trying along doing their job well enough, not quite sort of doing that. No one's giving us an 8 out of 10 performance. They're just sitting around maybe a 6 six out of 10. I'm just thinking, how is Eric Ten Hag viewing that situation? Because he's chopping and changing as much as me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. Look, my instinct, again, I'm not Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag gets paid the bucks he does because he, he definitely knows more about football than I do. But... I think when you can't separate two players, particularly in defensive positions, which one is more likely to help you keep a clean sheet? I think that needs when you're a defender, defense first. I don't care if you're Pep Guardiola deploying Bernardo Silva at left back. I don't care. I, I'm a you're a defender, you keep balls away from the from going in the back of the net first. Araman Basaka helps you do that. But At then the again moment. today,
1: and, and I thought one bissaka was good. But then again today, it was maybe his defensive things, which again with ten men's a little bit harder in terms of maybe a little bit stretched. Because once or twice he was caught out with the ball in behind. I think that that was Diego De Lowe, would be questioned the defensive aspect of his game. But this time it was one bissaka being caught a little bit, and again like, it was it was a it was a tough tough situation for him. Not to be critical, but I just think that's where I think ah oh, maybe not quite good. enough. It was good enough, but maybe like Eric Ten Hag says, good enough or good isn't good enough. So. It, one percent. I agree. At the moment, it's first choice. No, I agree with that. But ultimately, um, sometimes they need a little bit more. Um, it's a good good decision for to or good sort of headache for Hug at the moment, I'd say.
0: I think a little bit more is an upgrade at right back. To be honest, I, I, I think it, it'll. I think in the summer, I'll be amazed if United don't buy a right back. And I've been saying at time. It's going to be the third season in a row. But dead set, it's now or never. Ethan Led. If he's going to do it, it's got to be in the summer for me. I'm starting to yeah. think it won't happen for him now, to
1: yeah. be honest. But I think Eric Ten Hag has now also got himself in the not. To be, it's definitely not a criticism. He's got himself in the position now. He now understands what managing Manchester United is. And in terms of, I think he would love to bring a youth player in like that. He's obviously seen him introduce Ganacho a fair fair bit now. But it's finding it hard to get Kobe Maynil in. Maybe let's see a little bit more now with Casemiro out. It's seen like, at I actually can. You can sort of, butt all these youngsters, you can put them in, get them their minutes. Ultimately, at Manchester United, you can't afford that. Ultimately, what we like this as fans, they so throw them in. Very rarely it happens because it's very sort of cutthroat yeah, nature. Played
0: in the championship though for two or three seasons. I mean, I think he's a season is a pro young player still. No, time. no, no, no.
1: I'll, I'll definitely like to. But in terms of Aron Hag's thinking is he going to sort of rely on Ethan Laird being the backup. I think, as you're right, you do need to invest in a, in a first-choice right-back if you're going to address the situation. I don't, I'd love to see Ethan Laird in there, of course, but ultimately then, you look at the business. If you're seeing a future right-back for Ethan Laird at Man United, what that really means is you're going to have to spend big money on a first-choice and sell Alli and wan Is that going to happen? That's four, that's four huge pieces of business, or three big pieces of business. Is that going to happen? Obviously not. So I'm just thinking, Ethan Laird, just by circumstance, might find his future a little bit um, unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Adam, making the comment here, um, you, th- you think an overlapping right back is needed to help Anthony? Absolutely, mate, 100%. Yeah. Um, I still think Eric Ten Hag wants our right back to play an, an inverted role. I, I don't think so, you know, Adam. I, from what I've seen, Tom, Deloe and Wambasaka are holding a very wide position on the right. I think the inverted fullback is actually coming more from the left. I think you're seeing Shaw be that tuck-in player Whereas I think on the right, it's a bit lopsided. I think he actually looks for the right back to give the win.
1: I think there's different, which we wouldn't be privy to and our, and our eyes wouldn't be able to see what Eric is thinking. I think it's very sort of... Very specific sort of instructions in terms of, okay, how many numbers are there? Where's the ball? What's their situation? That's going to affect what our positioning does. I think there's so many things that are far above our pay grade and what we don't actually see what's happening and why it's happening. And I think that is what's in – because, yeah, I agree. Sometimes I see the right-back in midfield and other times I see him overlap. I think, well, hang on, what's the difference? Now, obviously, there is a difference. Eric Hag would be able to point that out. But it would be very extremely tactical that it would, um, would fly well over our heads, in my opinion.
0: It would be interesting to see a bird's eye view of the way United line up. Like, I wish I was sitting in J-Stand, because I think that would give you a good view. Um, but I just think if, if you look at, I would imagine, again, unfortunately, as you can hear from our accents, we're, we're not based in, in England. But I think, I reckon if you if you watch United live, I reckon you'd find when the ball is at certain points in the field, the fullback will change their where, where the, the space that they occupy. Because I think the, the the biggest improvement I saw from United from the opening two games to now is their shape on the transition. And I think if you, it makes a lot of sense. If you're a fullback inverted, off the ball, if you're on a transition, it's a lot easier to recover. If you're a fullback and you're hugging the touchline, looking to get crosses in, and then you're on the transition, you're not getting back. So I, I think that's the idea behind that, but. You know, that's something we can definitely look at in the summer as we dissect the season when United inevitably win their second trophy and finish comfortably in the top four. Um, but anyway, did we finish 3 two ones? ones I think we, we landed on Martinez for two, De Gea, sorry, Martinez for three, De Gea for two, one point. Actually, like. the, the name
1: I want to throw there, I'll throw it to you. Obviously, I'm a fan, but in terms of we sit here at the start of the game, okay, these 3-2-1s, who had the biggest impact on us contributing to three points and the win? That's our goal at the start of the game. The whistle blows. Our goal is to win the game. Eric Ten Hag's thinking when that red card happens, what's Eric Ten Hag's goal? Deep down, yeah, wants to win the match. Ultimately, deep down, his goal might have changed. His goal might have been if we can get a draw here, that's really a win. Considering playing an hour with 10 men, that might have been Eric Ten Hag's thinking. What was Eric Ten Hag's first action? To bring Scott McTominay. Now, I played in midfield when you have 10 men. It is a nightmare. It's a a shocking um, thing to do. Scott McTominay came in, and Kazimera's been sloppy in the last two, or especially this game before the red card. He wasn't performing too well. For Scott McTominay had come in, and the job he did in regards to midfield in terms of getting himself about, a lot of um, clearances, a lot of blocks, a lot of tackles. In terms of contributing to not the win, but what Eriton Haag needed in terms of a clean sheet and a point, so his impact on the game and the job he had to do, um, he, he's well within a shout of a point to me. Now, if someone can yeah, throw one for or Luke Shaw, or someone else potentially, but... Um, yeah, just a shout for Scott, because he gets enough dogs abuse. I thought when he does perform well and contribute, he needs to be sort of it needs to be highlighted.
0: He came on and he did play well. I 100 percent agree with you. But can I be honest with you, Tom? I'm sorry, you probably won't and, like
1: and, it. And and the plays around him. And the players around him. He's only doing that job by himself. Bruno Fernandez isn't a defensive minded player. Jaden Sancho is not a defensive minded player. So a tricky job for him. And Casmira had that job as well, but unfortunately got himself sent off. But um I've just been in that position. It's the worst thing in the world to play in central midfield, especially when you're an defensive minded player with 10 men.
0: Tom, I'm with you. Can I be honest with you, though? I'll be amazed if he's at Manchester United next season, Scott McTominay. I think his days are numbered. Surely you would agree Regardless of what you feel and what you want, you can't think the, the,
1: of the There's the, the no, the, a the very real possibility, and a lot of that possibility sort of falls on Scott McTominay and his desire. But I also go back to this, this myth that, okay, Bruno Fernandez is not trusted. That's why he plays out wide. no, he plays in the middle, Eric Ten Hag trusts him. The big decision to be made here where Fred or McTominay had to come on, who who was trusted?
0: I think, I think Fred's played a lot of football, and I would also argue that I don't think Ten Hag looks at them – I think he looks at McTominay as Casemiro's deputy, and I think he looks well, at Casemiro is as number
1: going to miss seven or eight games a season through red cards. So again, through no huge fault of his own. In regards to this, was a situation where throughout a squad now, this is not to rely on Scott McTominay throughout the season and say, okay, he's going to come in and score five goals or be this player or that player. In terms of filling a squad and a job. Scott McTominay will be trusted more than Fred. Now, Fred has been playing very well and deservedly played ahead of Scott McTominay, of course. But with the tools around him, at the moment, suddenly Kazimir is out. You can't play Fred in there by himself. Now, ultimately, Scott McTominay in there by himself, is that good enough? Maybe not. But ultimately, as the manager, you have to choose. Simply, it it would have been horrendous to put Fred in there by himself. And that's not to be critical of him. But that would have lost us the game. So ultimately, what would you prefer? Sell Scott McTominay, play Fred and lose the game? That's not to be critical of Fred, but that would have happened. It would have been a disaster to sit there by himself or play Scott McTominay and get over the line.
0: I get what you're saying, mate. I do 100%. And I don't want to sound condescending here. You, you know I respect your footballing opinion, but I think you're comparing apples and oranges. McTominay has only played as a six this season. He's never been afforded the opportunity to play as an eight. Maybe that's wrong, by the way.
1: Yeah, there's better players. there's better players than him in that area of the pitch, of course.
0: But Fred hasn't played as a six this season, can, like because McTominay he can't. hasn't played as an eight. Yeah, I agree with you, but I that's don't. Why, think that's why that's why McTominay
1: has to play there.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, mate. But I think that's the point. It, it wasn't a case of McTominay or Fred. It was I'm choosing between my eight and my six, and I just got my six sent off, so I'm going to choose my six. Do you get me? I don't. I don't think he looked at it as. No, I, I think he's not way. a six. I think he's. he's I think he absolutely not trusts McTominay more than Fred. That's clear, and that's why he plays Fred further up the pitch. But at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I think he's looking at it as, McTominay's my six, Fred is my eight, my six just got sent off, so I'm going to bring my six on. I think it was as simple as that.
1: Yeah, and look, McTominay's future is definitely up in the air in regards to that, and as I said, a lot of it maybe comes down to his decision and what offers come in from other, obviously, Premier League clubs. We'll look at Newcastle. There's a situation there. Ultimately, though, our players are running on empty, Larry, completely on empty. They have nothing left. We're not in a position to be just selling players at the moment. We're not going to we're not going to have a transfer window. I know people a lot of say, yeah, we're going to new Qatari owners. This player going to come in. If the only if the Glazers are still in charge, June July, which is a very likely possibility, they're not going to be spending money throughout this um, thing because there's no point spending big money when new owners are going to come in a couple of months. So that will be a disaster in terms of what the Qatari or Jim Ratcliffe want. So there's a very real situation where this transfer window is not going to be a pretty one. I know I know we're all playing football manager and think it could be. There is a situation where the ownership um, will negatively impact this transfer window. Ultimately, what the players have absolutely nothing left. We're not in a position to be selling players.
0: 13th of March. I reckon the Glazers will announce that they're selling the club on the 1st of April just to boil piss. April Fool's joke. What do you think? I could see it. I reckon it will be there. big fuck you for all the protesting that's happened in their time as Manchester United owners. Obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to lean on the side of optimism. I'm an optimist by nature. United will be under new owners, ones that will invest into the squad adequately. Um, and then we don't have to sit here and I don't have to tell Tom why McTominay shouldn't be a Manchester United player. Can I say the most loveliest bloke, when I met him in Melbourne, I was rooting for him to have an absolute belting season just hasn't happened for him, unfortunately.
1: Well, you, you look at the transfer window in terms of the immediate need to, to, for new owners to come in and address that. We talk about Manchester United a little bit bigger than, okay, it's not just about what we see on the pitch. We saw what the, the main issue as well, which might actually influence uh, or new owners will be influenced by, we saw the, the toilets at Old Trafford today, flooding.
0: What the hell, man? And I just
1: think, okay, yes, we needed maybe in your midfielder number six. Ultimately, though, we need toilets that aren't flooded at Old Trafford, and um, that's ultimately in terms of... As a new owner, yes, I need shiny new toys on the pitch. Ultimately, though, um, if my roof's leaking, and this is not the roof, this is the bloody toilets. Um, Male's toilets just full of piss on the floor. Um, that's where the attention is going to have to be over backup number six, in my opinion.
0: Someone's definitely taking the piss. Someone's definitely taking the piss. Uh, <laughs> with all that being said, McTominay for the one point, I think. Are we in agreement?
1: In regards to the contribution, a lot of people won't like that because obviously their thoughts towards McTominay, but ultimately in regards to the contribution, you know it's you know it's true. Oh,
0: I'm really proud of myself for that one.
1: Bruno Fernandes for a point. Marcus Rashford for a point. Venkhorst for a point. Anthony for a point. Rashford
0: was the most likely to score. If anyone was going to score, it was going to be Marcus. Yeah. Did he? And if the referee did his job and gave one penalty, I think we'd be yeah. talking about a Rashford... Three points, probably. Yeah, no, look, what would have been I'm Bruno, not, wouldn't it?
1: And I'm, I'm far. I'm not saying McTominay was made a match, far from it. But ultimately, he gets shat on far too much by this fan base. And I think if you come on Eric and I trust Scott McTominay, yeah.
0: yes and no. I mean, I think the criticism that has been labelled at him is too far, particularly for someone who has a massive platform and has blocked that person because. He's that, it's, it's bullying basically, but nonetheless, I think he wouldn't have be criticized so heavily, Tom, if he's look, I think, I think unfortunately for McTominay and I I, I say the same for Fred as well. I think when they retire, both men, they'll look back at their careers and I think they'll almost have this slight resentment toward the other, because I think both will look Mm -hmm. at the other and say, you know what, if I was next to a better player, I'd have a hell of a career at Manchester United. But it kind
1: of highlights my point. Here we are trying to say, okay, who came on, and did well. Scott McTominay came in and did a good job. That's not the discussion. It's Oh, but he's not good enough. We need to get rid of him. Why can't we just say he did a good job?
0: Yeah, he did do a good job.
1: Yeah, but that, that's the discussion. That's what it is. But always, it always turns with him into another discussion. I just think that is where it's unfair. There's another player, other players, okay? Someone comes in and sort of performs well, say they did well. We don't have a discussion about their future. And I just think ultimately... And I do look at it through Rose Tinted Glasses because he, he is the only player besides um, obviously the new sign-ins and obviously goalkeepers are hard to evaluate their work I think, But he's the only player in the last five, six years who's given 100% in every game. Bruno Fernandes hasn't. Marcus Rashford hasn't. If The players we love, they haven't. Bruno
0: gives 100%, mate. I'm no, not happy. The, the,
1: no, the, there's been one or two times where he's given up in terms of the little incidents, not full 90 minutes, but there's times he's it's stuff that I'm not chasing. Scott McTominay's never done that. Oh, he's like the only he player.
0: He requested a come-off, Gary Neville.
1: No, but before that, where Badgetec ran, ran through, the Liverpool player ran through him, and Bruno said stuff that I'm not chasing. There has been times Bruno hasn't given 100%. Now, over his time, he has given 100%. But isolated incidents, there has been times that the players that we love haven't. Scott McTominay always has. So maybe I... Should I not... Should I cr- criticise him for that? I don't believe so. I think he deserves a little bit of respect. And ultimately, um, I want to pull rank and um, yeah, give him a point for this. So Does that mean his future is away from Man United in the summer? Potentially. Uh, maybe it is that, that the best thing, but ultimately we can sit here and say he contributed to the point which potentially at 30 minute mark was Eric Ten Hag's main um, objective.
0: I'm still thinking about the flooding toilets at Old Trafford. What would you
1: That that is the issue though. That that is the issue. Wheres he talking about points nah, and, man. Oh.
0: seriously, I think like okay, I think that story has been given too much. Air. I mean, at the end of the day, that's not a regular occurrence at Old Trafford. Someone clearly took a shit in the pisser and clogged all the pipes. I mean, surely. I've been that, Old Trafford. Like it's like
1: that. That was Old Trafford years ago and it was situations like that where you are walking through piss. The, the roof is leaking every single week when there's a little bit of rain. The toilets I just- are
0: really run down too. Hey, it's got the, um, like, a, I'm trying. you know when you go into, like, a, a public toilet and it just reeks a piss? Old Trafford's toilets have that.
1: You walk in there and it's just—it's a—it's like a foggy haze. Like you walk into like the moisture in terms of it's yeah, just, man, that's it's, called being drunk. <laughs> no, but, but it's a hor- horrendous situation at all, and th- yeah. that's where we look at these shiny new toys for players. We need this player. We need this investment. We need to sell this player. Ultimately, we're Manchester United fans, and the stadium behind us, there, Old Trafford—that's what—that's our home. That needs to be addressed
0: first. I can't wait for July. Breaking news: Sky Sports. Manchester United have fixed the plumbing issue in the men's toilets so at Old Trafford. It's mm. going to be global news, I tell you. Anyway, um, I've been talking for too long. We've got the Real Betis return leg, so stay tuned for that preview. Tom and I will bring you that. 50 minutes of absolute shenanigans. This is why you got to tune into the United podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Where, let, tell, let me ask you a question where will you find deep analysis about the football match, criticism of the referees? Debates about Scott McTominay and flooding toilets all in one video. Good luck. Good luck finding top ten con- top content like that. But nonetheless, thank you for tuning in. If you are new, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We want 2K by the end of May. Help us reach our milestone by the end of the season. That will help us put more in terms of gifts, giveaways, and get involved. We love it, our community here. Tom, thank you, mate. Hope it's been fun to dissect the nil-all loss. The nil all loss. Yeah,
1: cool look ultimately for the Premier League. It was a nil nil draw. It's quite a not exciting one Was obviously we we're frustrated, but at the end of the day, for the neutral it was probably a good match for a nil-nil draw.
0: Indeed. Andrew, thank you very much. Cheers to everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you in a couple in a day or two uh with the Real Betis preview, along with any breaking news um as and when it comes to us. Cheers.